Well, I'm really, really excited about what God has been speaking to me, what I feel like has been like two months for this message. I feel like it's unfair because I get to just cherry pick like three months of experience and put it into 30 minutes. But this, this scripture has really helped me, and I believe it's going to help you. And so let's start in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. And we're going to also put the words on the screen behind me or on your screen, wherever you are watching from. And it says this. After the wise men had gone, an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, hurry. Now everybody turn to the person sitting next to you, push him a little bit, or put this in the chat, say, hurry. And take the child and his mother to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you to return. Because Herod is looking for the child and wants to kill him. That night, Joseph got up and took his wife and the child to Egypt, where they stayed until Herod died. So the Lord's promise came true, just as the prophet said, I called my son out of Egypt. Now, it is custom for us to pray before we get into preaching of God's word. So ask wherever you're joining us from, if you're comfortable, would you just bow your heads in this moment as we ask God to speak? Well, Lord, we thank you for this morning and this opportunity to hear from you. God, we do not take it lightly whenever you speak. God, whenever you speak, mountains move. Whenever you speak, dead things come to life. Whenever you speak, things are restored back to where they should be. So God, we're expectant that you're going to do that again. And God, we are coming before you humbly saying, we are not enough. But God, you are more than enough. You are the perfection that we're longing for. You are the perfection and the rest that we're longing for. So we're asking for just a taste of heaven today, Lord, as you speak. And God, we, we know that we need to hear from you today. So God, we ask you to speak. We know you will. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody that agreed with that can say amen. Amen. Well, before we get back into the message, I just want to ask this question. Who... Uh, loves road trips. Who's like, road trips are my jam. I love them. They're my favorite. Okay, I hope this is little to no one, but I have to ask it. Who would say that they love road trips more than flying? Go ahead and put your hands up. Wow, that is way more people. You all definitely don't have an eight-month-old. That is for sure. Well, I definitely see the allure, you know, of, of a, in the romance of a road trip. You know, you can even see it now. It's, it's sunset, the winding road, the mid-sized SUV, and it's four people singing four-part pe- four harmony to Hamilton. Like, it's beautiful, right? They're either going to this beautiful destination or they are coming home to their cozy little cottage, right? This is the, the road trip that I see. Maybe that's not reality, but... I don't know if you'd agree, but going to your destination is so much easier than coming back. Coming back home is so much more stressful. It's so much more tiring. And case in point, Heather and I took a road trip with Imogene, who was then four months old. We're brilliant, really smart, to go to Estes Park, Colorado over the summer. Now, before the trip, Heather and I were prepping our expectations. We were trying to see what reality was going to be like for this drive. And it was ordinarily a nine-hour drive there, and we were thinking that we were safe to say that we were going to get there in around 20 hours. 
That way, when it took like 16 hours, we'd be like, hey, we shaved off four hours of our time. We're good. We're golden, right? So with what Pastor said about expectations last week, we totally failed. (laughs) And so I don't know if this is a dad thing, but as we were going, or if it's just a me thing, but I had like these visions of grandeur that we were going to leave at two in the morning and we were going to drive for five hours nonstop and we were going to, she was going to sleep the whole time and it was going to be great. And then Heather in one simple phrase just said, no, we're not going to do that. And so we didn't do that. But I have to tell you that the way there was actually really awesome. It was actually pretty, pretty perfect because Imogene was in a groove of napping feeding, and we were really lucky that when she did need a diaper, we were really close to a gas station. So all in all, I think it took about 11 hours to get there, which in and of itself is a miracle. You can clap for that. We clap for miracles. We celebrate miracles in this house. But it also gave us the complete false reality of what to expect for the way home. So on the way home, everything was pretty good until we got to about Salina. And nothing wrong with Salina. It's about two hours outside of Lawrence. But we were planning to stop. We were going to stretch our legs. We were going to go for a walk, feed Imogene, change a diaper, going to gas up. Then we were going to try the coveted and the hyped up Popeye's chicken sandwich. I was really excited about this. I'd never tried it before. Well, you're, you're about to change your mind. I'm just about to tell you. But we got through all of the stuff we wanted to do, and then we ordered from Popeye's, and then we get our order in the car. We're going through the drive-thru, and they got the order wrong. And so my beautiful but extremely hangry wife walks back into Popeye's and goes and gets our order. And what should have been a 20-minute pit stop turned into an hour-and-a-half disaster. (laughs) And so we were pushing right up into Imogene's bedtime. She was getting restless. It was terrible. It was awful. So we decided to leave. We, we got our chicken sandwich. And by the way, I just have to say it, that it does not even come close to comparing to the chosen chicken, the sacrament of a sandwich that is Chick-fil-A sandwich. Thank you. Yes. I'm just saying, if you, you can come at me in the chat if you want to. But we get back on the road. We're about a half hour later. Imogene's so restless. She, she's crying. And so we decide, okay, let's check her diaper. And then I did something that I never thought I would do before, and that should be the title of every parenting book ever, but we stopped in the middle of a cornfield to change a blowout diaper, so that was awesome, and then we, for the next hour and a half, we were trapped in this sound-amplifying torture chamber where our daughter was literally screaming bloody murder until we got home. Whew! Needless to say... That was the biggest hurry we were ever in to get home. Which brings me to the title of my message today, which is hurry home. Hurry home. You know, and that's what I imagined this trip was like for Mary and Joseph. They had to pack up everything in Bethlehem and take their child on around a 40-mile journey on foot to safety in Egypt. Now, to put that into perspective, that would be like if right after this service, you left our west location and walked all the way to the World War I Museum with an infant. So now we know from looking at the book of Luke that they didn't leave Bethlehem right when Jesus was born. But it was probably somewhere between two months to two years after he was born. But still, that is crazy to think about. 
hurrying to move what could have been a two-month-old or a two-year-old. And I know the last nine months have moved so much around for so many of us. When you look back to what your house looked like in February, I would venture to say that there is something that looks different. Maybe it's you are going to online school. Maybe your child is going to virtual school. Maybe it's working from home full time. Maybe it was the most time you had ever spent in your home. Maybe you literally moved. But there has been so much that has changed in the last year. But for me, and maybe for you, the thing that has lingered and the thing that hasn't changed and has only been heightened in this holiday season is hurry. And that brings me to my first point for today is our house might have changed, but our hurry didn't. Now, the question is, what is hurry? What is hurry? And I, I just want you in this holiday season. I know all of us don't have time right now, but I promise if you make time to read this book, it will bless your soul. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it's by John Mark Comer, and it has been a great resource for me in, in this message, but also this holiday season. So I want to encourage you to read that book, but the definition of hurry that you can find on the first page of the foreword of this book is hurry involves excessive haste or a state of urgency. It is a state of frantic effort one falls into in response to inadequacy, fear, and guilt. The simple essence of hurry is too much to do. Hmm. If that doesn't sound like the Christmas season, <laughs> I don't know what does. For me, the holidays are synonymous with hurry. And I just realized this, but it is so ironic that literally tomorrow is the shortest day of the year when we feel like we need the most amount of time, right? And when you think about it, hurry is incompatible and even the antithesis of the four Advent season themes. It's hope, joy, peace, love. When, when have you ever felt peace when you're in a hurry? And when the Apostle Paul is describing love, the first thing he describes it with is love is patient. I don't know about you, but I'm rarely patient when I am in a hurry. And think about the effect of hurry in this way. It's that moment when you're driving and you see someone speeding way too fast to go around you and you say, man, that person is really in a hurry. And, and about two minutes later, you pull up to the next stoplight right next to that person who is hurrying. And if you're like me, you chuckle under your breath maniacally and you have a smug face and you're like, look what that hurrying got you. But like, the point is this, that hurry is a lifestyle. And that lifestyle doesn't actually add any time to our lives. Jesus asks us this rhetorical question this way. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now, when we pull up to that driver and we see it in other people, the answer to, that, to Jesus' question isn't obvious. No, you can't do it. But when we are the hurried driver, when we are overscheduled, overworked, overworried, we somehow believe that the answer to that question is yes. Because we don't know, but, but, but wait, you don't know the demands I have. Or you don't know my schedule. Or you don't know my life. And you're right, absolutely. 
But hurry can't add any time to our life, but it can make you miss the time you wish you could have been present. Now, let me be clear that this isn't an indictment on being busy. And there is a healthy kind of busyness where you are fulfilling your purpose, where you are partnering with God to accomplish the dream he's placed in your heart, where your life is full of things that truly matter. By that definition, Jesus himself was busy. So the problem isn't when we have a lot to do. It's when we have too much to do so that the only way to accomplish everything you need to do is to hurry. So the answer to hurry is not that we need more time in our life because the problem with that is in the last nine months, I think we've had more time than we've ever had, but we don't have more rest. So I want to talk to the people who have ever felt like there is not enough time. And I want to talk to the people today that have this restlessness deep in your soul. So just like Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, our house might have changed, but our hurry didn't. And something that I thought was so interesting as I was studying this week was what God told Joseph in verse 13, sorry, 13. Get up, hurry, and take the child and his mother to Egypt. And this last part, stay there until I tell you to return. So Egypt wasn't their home. But they had to stay and make it their home. Which brings me to my second point, which is home is where your heart is. Now, Egypt is really significant place for the Israelites for a lot of reasons. One reason is that's where Moses led them out of to into the promised land and they became Israelites. And another reason is because Egypt was a traditional place of asylum for Israelites who were in danger and later in Israel's history, before Jesus, when they were conquered and ruled by a foreign nation, some of the Israelites were exiled to Egypt. Now, this foreign nation that came and took over were the Babylonians. Maybe you've uh, heard of the Tower of Babel before, that story. But the Babylonians have a culture. Every nation has a culture. And their culture can be best illustrated by that tower. They literally constructed something, but also mentally constructed something that tried to make their ways higher than God's ways. Think of the movie Limitless by Bradley Cooper, right? We have, if you just hurry or work hard enough, take the right pill, get smarter, you can replace God as the limitless power supply in your life. Now, their culture was illustrated as someone trying to get to God or be God. But that's where Jesus is different. That's why we celebrate so loud and we celebrate so much for the Christmas message. Our God didn't wait for us to come to him, but he came down to us. Our God is here right now with us. No matter where you're coming from, no matter what you've been through, he came to you through Jesus. So this was the culture that was infiltrating these Israelites' lives and literally invading their land long before Jesus. And and the prophet Jeremiah in that time could tell that even if they left their homes, they would take their hurry with them. And he gave the exiled Israelites this advice and this command. He said, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens 
and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. That's a word of God for someone. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. Now what the prophet Jeremiah was telling the Israelites and what I believe God is telling us today is that yes, I'm all for a vaccine that's coming out right now. And it's going to be great when things open up completely again. And we all get the Israelites got back. But we don't have to wait to build. We can slow down and build where we are right here. Now this is the time to build up our homes where we are. This is the time to sure up our foundations in the Lord right where we are. We are not called to dwindle away in this season. We are called to build where we are and not where we want to be. And I want to say it this way is we try to expedite what we are called to endure. Or, don't rush where God has called you to remain. Now, in this time of disruption in our lives, let's slow down. Let's focus on and build what matters most, which is our house and God's house. So, the angel of the Lord said to Joseph, stay there until I tell you to return. So, how do we build where we are? We have to slow down long enough to eliminate hurry from our heart because our home is where our heart is. Now, most scholars believe that it was between three to four years that Jesus, Mary, and Joseph stayed in Egypt. Can you imagine that? Three to four years exiled in this place before we get to the last part of our scripture for today. In verse 19, it says, After King Herod died, an angel from the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph while he was still in Egypt. The angel said, get up and take the child and his mother back to Israel. The people who wanted to kill him are now dead. Joseph got up and left with them for Israel. But when he heard that Herod's son, Archelaus, was now the ruler of Judea, he was afraid to go there. Then, in a dream, he was told to go to Galilee, and they went to live there in the town of Nazareth. So the Lord's promise came true, just as the prophet had said, he will be called a Nazarene. Now, we learned in week one of our series that Mary, Joseph, and Jesus traveled to Bethlehem for the census because it was the home of Joseph's family line, not the place that they might call home. So Joseph and Mary, after their long stay in Egypt, no doubt had family to come home to both in Bethlehem and in Galilee or near Nazareth. Which brings me to my third point. Who are you coming back home to? Who are you coming back home to? And I think it is so interesting that Joseph's natural inclination was to go back to where they just were in Bethlehem rather than go home to Galilee. But look in verse 20, it said, the angel said, get up, and Belinda, you can come on out, and Band, you can come on out. And, but in verse 20, it says, get up and take the child and his mother back to Israel. Notice about this time that when they were told to go back home, the angel didn't say, hurry. 
but that is our natural inclination when hurry, with hurry and our habits. We default to going back to where we were, not where God is calling us to be. So this holiday season, we have a choice of who we are going to be or who we are coming home to. Are we going to go come back to where we were or are we going back home? Are we choosing to slow down, be present, and have love, joy, peace, and hope? Are we choosing hurry? Because ultimately, who we are coming home as determines or affects who we are coming home to. So something that God showed me that I had never seen was in verse 13, 19, and 22. After the wise men had gone, an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Now, after King Herod died, an angel from the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Then in a dream, he was told to go to Galilee. You know, all of the times that Joseph heard from God and God gave him direction were in moments of rest. So maybe the direction you need, maybe the peace, the hope, the joy, the love that you need is the moment of rest we're hurrying away from. Now Jesus gave us this promise about hurrying home to rest when he said this. Are you tired, worn out, numb, restless, nonstop going and going, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, There was another story that Jesus told of a person that was coming back home to their family. Now this person took what they could from their father and they hurried away from home. They thought that they could do it all themselves and they were better off on their own. And after hurrying away from home for so long and being worn out, being hungry, this is what it says in Luke 15, 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But this is how Jesus is different. He said, but his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. You might feel like you are far from God. You might feel like you've been hurrying away from the thing that you need the most. But I can tell you that you can take a step today. Take a step toward home today and you can have the rest you need everyone rise to your feet lift your hands up to the Lord as we pray